1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but a, an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after the angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Um, this whole thing where it says in verse 21, but an appeal to God for a good conscience, a good conscience. You know, it is amazing what God has given us, the ability to know that when we've done something wrong and how when our conscience is not good, it, it, it'll wake us up at night. It'll cause us to, to spend so much of our CPU time is just thinking about this situation. And it's very gracious of him to do this with us because it calls us to repentance. It calls us to repentance. And it says uh, that that, uh, um, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience. We're appealing to him for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This whole thing of the resurrection, it is upon this which our faith is based. Our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, 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 uh, what Jesus did in his rising from the dead is powerful and important in our lives. Um, Paul speaks of this in, in uh, here Peter's speaking of this, but Paul speaks of this as well. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that I may know him. First of all, he says, I want so much to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus is so good. I urge you to get to know him. I urge you to love him with all your heart, to love Jesus. He is the best in every way. When you love the Son, the Father will love you. If you love his son, the father, the king of the universe, will love you. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In that resurrection, there is enormous power. Jesus didn't just rise from the dead in order to die again. He overcame death. Unlike other resurrections, there are several resurrections noted both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. But those people who rose... They were going to die again. They were, they were raised up back up to life, but it was different than Jesus' resurrection, who was never to die again. He says, in the power of his resurrection, there is power in this. You know, every, every week I share with people about Jesus Christ. Every week, if, if, I go, if I go one week without sharing Christ with somebody, I feel as if it's been a wasted week for me. I'm not telling you what the way you should feel. This is just a wasted week for me because God has given me this tremendous burden and I prayed for this burden. I prayed for years to have this burden for the lost. And if I go, if, if it's getting toward a week where I haven't shared with somebody, I'll try to grab somebody and pin them down and share with them. I will, I will find some student walking by and say, hey, you want to have lunch with me? And you know, what student is going to turn me down? I mean, <laughs> and, uh, 
and I'll start telling them my story. I, I have to share the Lord with them. And I feel this burden, but I also feel this amazing power that I have as I start sharing Christ with them. There was a young man, he had seen my petition where, where I say to people, look, if you don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'll meet with you. I'll meet with you for an hour. And there's a very high probability that you will come out believing. And he, he was a, he was a, a graduate student at, in the medical center. And he heard me say that. And he came up to me after my talk. He said, I just want you to know, I've been a materialist all my life. Um, but I'm intrigued when you said that because I'm wondering what you say to get people to believe this. He says, look, I'm not really interested in believing this, but I just want to hear what you have to say about this. I said, okay. So we set up a time to meet and he came by my office and we met. And an hour later, later he's praying the sinner's prayer. Uh, I have complete confidence in the power of the resurrection. The most of the time I spend is speaking about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I would say of the time that I spend sharing with people, it's, it's a, I go through several verses, but I spend most of the time on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because therein lies the power. Therein lies the power. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he's risen from the dead. There is power in the resurrection. And that's why Paul says in Romans 10.9, and I, this is always the verse that I, 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 I finish up with. I, I talk about this verse and I share some other verse and I bring right back to Romans 10.9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you see the two elements there. There's the confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then there's the belief in our heart that he's risen from the dead. And this is a very hard thing to believe because generally none of us have seen somebody dead for three days come back alive. Come back alive. Anybody here? No? I didn't think so. So it's not something that, that is common. And so it's a very hard thing to believe. How do you take an educated person and get them to believe this? But you see, I am not trying to get them to believe this. God is the one who does it. And God is the one who places this truth on the heart. The power of his resurrection over and over again. And the great thing about this is I get to see with my own eyes. I get to see with my own eyes people go from death to life. From death to life. Every week go from the kingdom of darkness, from the hand of Satan to the kingdom of life. A few weeks ago I shared with you about this guy who was in the occult. That I, that I shared with. And he, he came to know the Lord. And anybody who's been in that type of thing has lots of struggles. And he's been writing to me. He says, ever since I prayed this with you, you have no idea what my life has been like. I said, well, I, I can imagine. He said, I've, I've taken all these, these old recordings that I had of, of, of my communicating with these voices that he thought was Michael the Archangel. And I assure you, it's not Michael the Archangel that he was communicating with that he, he got rid of them all. He says, hundreds of dollars of things I've thrown out. I said, that's good. Good. That's exactly the way it should be. And I, and I prayed for him. And, and But he's on his way. He's on his way. This is exactly what we need. There is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And this is why he says, he says, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This resurrection, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Uh, and this, this is what, what he's called us to, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And then he goes on and he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings that I may be conformed to his death, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that we might know Jesus. He is so good. Remember what I'm telling you. Jesus, the Son of God, get to know him. In, he is the embodiment of life for us, for humanity. The light of God shines through Jesus Christ into our hearts. We could never approach God if it were not for Jesus. It's only because of Jesus that we can even pray to God. That we can, that we, God hears our prayer. It's all because of Jesus. Everything, anything good in life that we have, it's because of Jesus. This is why I say forever we shall be praising him. And then he says, and, and, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In his resurrection, there is power. When I share with people, I'm sharing with the resurrection. When I first start talking about this, to them, it, it sounds ridiculous. Where, where are you going with this? It sounds ridiculous. But then all of a sudden, I know I have this enormous confidence because I've seen it over and over again. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power of his resurrection. And as I'm sharing, I am confident that this is penetrating, penetrating to their heart. And even to the few that do not receive, they have, I know that it's been so impressed upon them. The other person was, was a man of just a few hours later, a middle-aged man in, 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 uh, in central Russia, I'm sharing with, by Zoom. This is why, I mean, this is an amazing time that we live in. That I can be just, I can go from my office in Houston, Texas, and then a few hours later be dropped into central Russia, sharing with a middle-aged man in Russia who is very skeptical. Now, I understand Russians. I've had many Russians work for me, do their PhD with me. And, you know, Russians don't, don't mince words. They tell you what they think. And, and, uh, um, they, and, and so even when he was writing to me, to, to say, you know, I'm interested in listening to you. He's, he's writing, and he, sort of a, a um, you know, just very strong, like, like, like Russian people, and sort of like a smart aleck, you know, they, they'll, they'll make little comments here and there. And, and for those of you who know Russians, you know what I'm talking about. They, and uh, I, and I, I didn't let it phase me, you know, I just didn't even respond to these silly little things. And, and I said, well, let's just meet. And, and uh, um, you know, he told me up front that he didn't really, really believe in this sort of stuff. I said, okay, just, we're going to go through this. And by the time I go through this, the man is praying with me. The sinner's prayer, just like that, and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Because in the resurrection, there is power. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is power. When he rose from the dead, there is this power that has come Upon the earth in his rising from the dead. That's why he says that I may know him and the power, the power of his resurrection. And then he says, along with this, if you embrace the power of his resurrection, this is what's going to come. And the fellowship of his sufferings. When this man in the occult embraced the resurrection 
And he may well be on the line today when he was hearing these voices. That, that, that um, uh, when he embraced this, what happens is, is there is suffering. There is suffering that comes along with this. When you embrace the resurrection, when I came to know Jesus, I didn't know that I shouldn't tell my family. I just wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't that, I, I was a terrible Jew at the time. I was just a, a very secular Jew. But, and so, so I didn't know that I shouldn't tell my family. So I told them all that I've received Jesus. And they were like, what? What? Remember my cousin said, you can't do that. You're Jewish. I mean, it, it didn't, didn't even register that something like that could be done. And, and I didn't realize what fallout there would be. Now, my family didn't disown me or anything. My family was actually very gracious. But I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what all of this meant. But there is a fellowship in his sufferings that we may be conformed to his death. This is what Paul is speaking about in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And we see the same thing here. He says, he says that... Uh, um, an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We appeal to God, Lord, my conscience, it bothers me. When our conscience bothers us, when we have done something wrong and we need to deal with it, he allows this thing to keep touching at our hearts so that we can begin to deal with this. And it's by the power of his resurrection. And then he goes on in verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. <clears throat> Jesus is over all, everything. Everything has been subjected to Jesus Christ. This was offered to Jesus in his ministry. It was offered to him earlier on in his ministry. So if you look at, at chapter Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, And the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So this was the third temptation, as, as, as it's recorded in, in, in Matthew. This is the third one that's listed. And it says, that, that Satan took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. We don't know how Satan did that, but he did it. And he says, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus got it anyway, but it was deferred. It was deferred reward. It was not through Satan. It was deferred. And very much what we go through in life, what we do in life, it's deferred. It's deferred because we're walking with God. The reward comes later. Very often the reward comes later. And, and then Jesus, Jesus speaks about this. If you look in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, after Jesus had risen from the dead, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So, so you see, he says, go ahead, go and make disciples. 
And so making disciples is more than just preaching. It is, it is spending time. And he says, go and make disciples of them. He says, baptize them. Again, he speaks of baptism here. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. There is teaching involved in making disciples. But he says, all authority has been given to me. Everything. It's been given to me by my Father. And this is what it's talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. Who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Jesus is over all. And this is why, this is why I can share the scriptures, share the Lord with people. And I know that I have the high ground by far. I have the king of heaven and earth. All authority is in him. And this is why I can speak with authority, because I have confidence in this word. If you do not believe every word in this book, every word in the Bible, you have lost all moral high ground in evangelism. Every word in this book is absolutely true. If you think that you are preaching from a fallible book, you will always be weak in the message that you are giving. Always you will be weak. Billy Graham talks about how early on in his ministry, I've gone to the Billy Graham Library that's up at Wheaton College, a beautiful library, and I spent a long time in that library. And, and uh, early on in his ministry, when he was just starting it out, he had doubts about certain portions in the Word of God. He had doubts, and he had very little power in his ministry. And then one day, he got on his knees and he repented. And he, he asked the Lord to forgive him, and he says, Lord, I embrace your Word in total that it is all true. Boom! His ministry just absolutely took off. Absolutely took off. There is power. There is power when we embrace this word. It is absolutely true. This is not a fallible word. God has keeping it pure. He has keeping it, kept it true. God can do this. He has the ability to do this. He can keep his word true. Anybody tries to change this book, the Bible says the curses will fall upon them. It'll never, it'll never take hold. This book is pure. This book is true. And, and it says that Jesus, everything, all power has been given to Jesus. This is why forever we shall worship him. Everything, everything has been granted unto him. And this is why we can go through with confidence. When people mock us and make fun of us, at first it's hard. At first it's hard. Look at the way they're speaking about me. But then when we come back and we spend time with Jesus, we realize that this Jesus this king over all the earth, this king over all the universe, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who walks with me. He is the one who told me that these things would happen. He is the one that warned me about this. John chapter 15 verse 18 says this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to per persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Do you ever feel like you've been hated without a cause? Well, welcome to the world of Jesus. That's his life. That's his life, to be hated without a cause. And this is what he gives to us. He is so good and so kind. And he's, 
all authority has been given to him. Let's look in, in chapter 4 of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. All right, so uh, uh, he says, therefore, so Jesus, the thing he just finished was all power is given to Jesus. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, so he's summarizing the end of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For example, uh, chapter 3, uh, and particularly verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Get down to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. If somebody said to you... Um, there's, there, there's, uh, there's a foreign army outside. Uh, there's a bunch of weapons here. Arm yourselves. You wouldn't say, I'm good. I just, I'll just go take them on with my bare hands. Okay. <laughs> you know, he says, arm yourself. Arm yourself. With the same purpose. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose. You are going to suffer. If you want to walk with Jesus... If anyone wants to walk godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, he shall suffer. When it says, he shall suffer, that is a command to the universe. The universe must make that happen. If you desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus, you must suffer. This is part of walking godly in Christ Jesus. And so he says here, he says that, that arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Be ready for this. So don't think that what is this strange thing that is coming upon me? We have been warned about this over and over again. He says, arm yourselves with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That doesn't mean we stop from all sin. We have ceased. That is, that is a pause from sin for this particular sin. The thing that he was dealing with them is that they were trying to, to sidestep uh, persecution by denying their faith, by not speaking, by not getting baptized, because everything was around the 70 AD judgment. You say, well, why are they always referring? Why is he always, why do you feel as if he's always speaking around the 70 AD judgment? Because the nation of Israel was about to be destroyed. That generation was about to be destroyed. It was a very big thing. When there are big occasions, it sort of marks time. We've had that in a way with COVID. People say, you know, pre-COVID this. It, it's sort of like a div division in time. This thing that has come upon society, people speak about pre-COVID and, you know, since COVID. The same thing happened, many of you are, are too young to remember this, but the same thing happened with, with the events of 9-11. Um, that, that when that happened, people said, you, you know, such and such pre-9-11, because we thought differently pre-9-11. We weren't thinking about terrorists uh, killing 3,000 Americans pre-9-11. We were like, oh, you know, they go into airports, they just check us out, and then, well, why do we have to do all this? And then all of a sudden, after 9-11, I mean, they're, they're taking everything from you. You can't bring a pocket knife on an airplane. You can't wear, you got to take off your shoes. You got to, you, 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 you can't, I, I couldn't even bring my laser pointer on the airplane. <laughs> yeah, they took my laser pointer from me. I mean, everything was crazy. They didn't know what to do. 
and 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 uh, uh, and, and so it's, it's sort of divided time. This is a very big event that is about to take place, and they know it's about to take place because Jesus said he brought down the curse upon that very generation. He says, this generation, this generation in Matthew, he keeps stressing, this generation, and we're already 30, 35 years after the death of Jesus approaching this. So they know it's going to have to happen. It's going to happen on that generation and on their children. They brought that upon themselves. They said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. So they knew it was coming. Everything was directing toward this. And so he says, you know, if you do get baptized, you're going to suffer from your, for your faith. And then you're going to cease from sin because you're going to be suffering for your faith. The very thing is going to happen. Now let's look at, at verse 2 in, in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time has already passed. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation. And they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So, he says that if you do this, some of the, he says, he says, don't walk like the Gentiles do. He is obviously not teaching Gentiles. This is an instruction to Jews, to believing Jews, who are like babes in Christ. We learn from 1 Peter chapter 2, they were, they were babes in Christ. They had not yet matured. He's urging them to get baptized because if they get baptized, it's going to save them physically. They're not going to slip into Jerusalem and think that, that they'll, be, they'll understand that once they're baptized, they're not going to be welcome in Jerusalem and, uh, and they're going to be outside Jerusalem. It's going to save their lives. <clears throat> and he says, don't slip back into the practices of the Gentiles. We can read about Rome and the many things that they did. It's very much like it is today and the practices that they did, and in some ways even worse than it is today. And, and he says to them, he says to them, uh, uh, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. <clears throat> he says the time, the time has already passed, <clears throat> and it's sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. And now he lists them. And, and this list, I mean, you can see it all around us today. Uh, um, he says, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And he says, in all of this, your friends are going are gonna to wonder at you, and they're going to be surprised. Why don't you want to do this? Hey, we're just going to go out tonight. We're just going to have a good time. There is going to come a time when you are going to get a spine spiritually and you're going to decline to go on these things with your old friends. You say, well, you know, I just want to kind of share with them. I want to be a witness. It's very hard to be a witness in a situation like that. You're going to have to make a break with the world, with the types of things that they do. That doesn't mean you have to shut off all interactions, but you need to make a break with the world in the things that they do. And there was a time in my life that I had to do that, that I made a break in the decisions to, to go with my old friends. And even though 
when they would go in these, in these times of dissipation, I wouldn't participate. I'd just be standing on the side. But there, there came a time, I couldn't even go with them anymore. And I had to make a break on this. And he says, they're going to wonder, hey, why don't you go? What, what, why aren't you going? This is exactly what happens to us. Why aren't you going? It says they're going to be surprised that you do not run with them in the same excesses of dissipation. Dissipation means that it sucks your life out of you. Dissipation, to dissipate, it sucks your life out of you. These things will pull the spiritual life out of you. It's very hard on your physical life as well. You look at people that participate in these sorts of things, their bodies wear out very young. really does. I see it. I see it all the time. I see it even in college students. They come in all happy and freshmen, and by the time they're graduating, there's sort of a haze over their eyes because of the things that they've been doing, and they've become hardened in their flesh. You give them another decade, another 10 years, and lots of things in their lives are absolutely destroyed. It dissipates life, but it also dissipates spirit very, very quickly. This is why the Bible calls it, the Bible calls it dissipation. Don't do this. It's going to suck the life out of you. And he says they're going to malign you as a result of this. They will make fun of you. First, they will urge you to go and be with them, and then they're going to start maligning you. But this is exactly what Jesus said. He said, you know, we just read this in John. He says, if the world hates you, just remember it hated me first. And we're we're also warned about this in, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you. And ostracize you. You ever been ostracized by your friends? Because you wouldn't go with them in something? Jesus told you it would happen. He told us we would be ostracized. I'm ostracized from certain professional societies. I'm ostracized from certain gatherings. Because of my position. It happens. But I don't want to go to those things anyway. You know, some of the... the, Best events in the evening for me are the events that are canceled. <laughs> I don't have to spend another night out. And for those of you that are invited out a lot, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, uh, uh, and, and so he says, blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward in heaven is great. You see, there is this deferred reward. There is a tremendous reward in heaven. When people ostracize us, when people exclude us from their groups, there is a great reward. Awaiting Jesus was all power in heaven and on earth was granted to him. There are rewards awaiting us. The Bible says it. It says it. I mean, it wouldn't say it if it were not true. This This is Jesus speaking. He's promising great rewards. Remember, he's the guy who controls everything. Everything is owned by him. He says you're going to get great rewards when you're ostracized by people, when they say things about you, when they hate you, when they scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. If because of your service and devotion to Jesus Christ, these things happen, a great reward awaits you. I am a living testimony of those great rewards. I see this all the time in my professional career. People think, oh, you know, you must be so smart. I am not. Oh, you know, the, the Mensa Society keeps wanting to invite me into their society. I said, look, 
you test my IQ, I'll never make it. I'm, I'm not there. And, and uh, they say they'll get me in anyway. You know, but they just think so much more. It, they don't understand this blessing has all come because of God, because of God. Because of God, because of service to Jesus Christ. And he says there's rewards. Now, you don't always get the rewards on earth. Many times you're going to have to wait for heaven. I mean, Jesus had got the rewards going through the cross. It was only after the cross that this was granted to him. He says, he says, uh, uh, for in the same way the fathers used to treat the prophets. When you're treated like that, the prophets were treated the same way, the Bible says. That's pretty good company. The prophets were treated the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. But woe to you when men speak, when all men speak well of you. For the fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. I mean, there are woes that are then coupled with this. Here's what he's saying. There's all this dissipation. And he says, don't do it anymore. Just don't do it anymore. And uh, um, just refuse to go with them. Refuse to go with them. Grow a spiritual spine and refuse to go with them. This is what you're called to. The Bible doesn't mess around. You want to mess around with the things of the world, you will get the life sucked right out of you. Your spiritual life will get sucked right out of you. And before you know it, you'll, you'll be engrossed in something so messy, it'll change the course of your life. You go sleeping around and it can change the course of your life in a very negative way. The Bible doesn't mess around. It calls us to something and he's calling them to walk uprightly. The Bible does this and thank God the Bible is in our face. It should be. You know, if this Bible were not in our face, how, how would we refrain from dissipation? And he's the one, he's the one who instructs us. He's the one who tells us this. The word that we have is true. We have the power of the resurrection. You have the power to resist. I have the power to resist in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are not left on our own. No way. We can't handle this on our own. If you do not know Jesus, if you've not yet received Jesus in your heart, you have no power. The Bible says you are a slave to sin. Very hard to overcome these things without the power of Jesus Christ. Talk to me. We'll get you in a place where you know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, where you'll have power over this. But then, if you know the Lord, I want you to realize that you have the power to walk with him. This is in Jesus Christ because the Bible is not a sham. These things are true. If you struggle in the sexual domain, I urge you to listen to my, my, my teaching uh, it's on my website, jmtour.com, under the audio section, audio files. It's Scriptural Sexual Ethics, a six-part series. I urge you to listen to that. You have to listen from part one through part six in that order, or it won't make sense. And, and, uh, um, and it's just like three and a half hours, half hour each part, something like that. And listen to that. And see that there is power in these domains. There is power over, over the sexual realm. In Jesus Christ, there is power, and in the power of his resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness and your mercy upon us. What grace and what mercy you have shown forth toward us. 
Lord, thank you for Jesus who has gone before us, who says, if they hate you, they've hated me first, who is the one who went through suffering and then who calls us to arm ourselves also for the same. Lord, I pray for these young people that you would build them up strong in Jesus Christ to walk in your way, that they would not walk in areas of dissipation that are going to destroy their lives. Protect them, I pray. And Father, for those who do not know you, who have no power over sin, Lord, I pray that they would come and experience the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be your name. All glory be to Jesus forever and ever. Amen.